This podcast is sponsored by SPV Energy. And Rangers clear their line. Oh and Abbott. And Richie Cody has it up. Oh my God, I've never seen anything like that. Not even in the RDS with Leinster's camp. It's all over. Coming out up the hill. It's album photo. Annabelle Fly is staying on well, but no photo required. Album photo. It's the Magnus Cheltenham Gold Cup. Free climbing for the ball. Fly into the stand. Who's going to win this one? Breaks around midfield and Michael have been crowned the intermediate Kawagi champion. Hello everybody, this is Kieran Murphy, the founder, creator and presenter of the new Across the Four Legs podcast. From Carlo, I am a freelance sports writer. Whether it is match reports, feature articles, news items or whatever, my topic is almost exclusively sport. This new podcast came from an idea generated on the Higher Diploma in Arts and Applied Journalism and New Media Content course, which I am studying at Carlo College and IT Carlo. I invite you to come along with me on this new venture. I promise the path we take will be an interesting and revealing journey. Join the solar PV revolution today. SPV Energy is a new renewable energy company who aim to deliver the highest quality solar PV installations for the lowest guaranteed price. SPV Energy will provide a free site assessment and a technical report for each solar PV installation. For further information, contact Gary at 087 131 7206 or by email at gary at spvenergy.ie. Today I welcome Carlo Tennis Club coach Brian Farrell. Hello, Brian. How, how are you? How are things? Hi, hi Karen. All all good here. Yeah. 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 Busy times. Busy times. Yeah. In in more ways than one. Yeah. Busy times. Okay. Okay. So look to put tennis into context. More people than ever are playing the game. It has become a sport for young and old. The gender balance is 50-50. Um, modern lighting systems and uh, all-weather courts mean the game can be played the whole year round. And it actually is being played the whole year round. You even see people out on Christmas Day playing. So, look, tennis has become very popular. And um, maybe you'd just like to talk about that yourself. And maybe maybe later on we can talk how you got into the game. And But it is very much, it does consume you quite a lot at the moment. You're up there quite a lot in the Carlo Tennis Club. Yeah. Um, so I think I think I think you make some good points there. I think the all year round factor is is huge. Um, now for me, I'm 36. I've always considered it all year round, but I suppose if you're a little bit older than me, all other courts weren't around, um, or certainly they weren't particularly nice to play on. So so yeah, tennis was a sore thing. Um, I think I'm probably again. I don't. Some of the clubs would have had uh, grass courts. I know Carlo had grass courts. Not 100% sure when they disappeared. But yeah, I suppose that the change from that to to the all-weather court was it was it must have been a bit a huge, a huge change. And it just meant that the sport wasn't seasonal anymore. Um and and play all year round. Like again, for me, I work so my 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 whole game is is tennis. So this is my full-time job. Um I think I'm very lucky to have the job. I work hard, but it is, I do like my job. I I'm lucky enough I go into work every day, I drive in and there's I'm happy going in, put it that way. Um, you know, sometimes I would like to, to go home an hour earlier than I get to go home, but generally I'm happy in there. Um, and I think we've created a pretty happy club in Carlo Tennis Club, and I think that's important. 
Um, from it making it making it popular and getting a lot of people playing. I suppose a key thing was making this my job. I think I'm the first person, certainly in Carlo, um, where this has been my job. So it's been 100% in my interests to get more bodies on tennis courts. Um, now, again, and that is the norm. I think tennis is probably ahead of the curve on most sports in doing that, that there is mo- coaches, tennis coaches in Ireland are professional tennis coaches. They're, they're, they're not volunteers. Um, and that's the norm. You know, and we have it. We have it. The, the coach education system is very good, even though Ireland hasn't produced players. And I know we might talk about that later. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, the, the coach education in Ireland is very strong. We're, we're the gold standard in coaching. So I think I think there might be only 12 or 14 countries in the world that have the gold standard in coaching. Uh, and Ireland is one of them. So we punch above our weight coaching wise. Um, and and yeah, and there's a good template in place. You know, the template that I brought to Carlo is one is a tried and tested template that's been done in Clontarf, and uh, my home club, probably the biggest program uh, in the country. Um, particularly kids. So again, for us coaches, uh, kids tennis is our, is what makes gives us a livelihood. Kids kids weekly lessons is what means I can be an adult. I can be a full time tennis coach. Um, and then obviously the club. Then builds you build the club around the kids. If you have three hundred kids in, you can maybe attract a hundred parents, and then you have a hundred family memberships, and everything grows from there. So, so yeah, your kids is your bread and butter, and we're in a large town. Carlo is a pretty big town, so uh, I would see that we we have still some more growing to do in Carlo. Yeah, and Brian, if, if you're looking at you taking the coaching sessions with the children, and I'll just give you an example of one particular coaching session. I was knocking up against the wall in the tennis club one day and a mother brought a young child in, and the child literally wasn't able to hit the ball with the racket. And mm. I was wondering how you were going to um, introduce this child to tennis. And I was watching watching two weeks later the same child, and the child was now hitting the ball over the tennis court it was simple exercises just throwing the ball to the child the ball hopped in front of the child and the child hit it it really didn't matter where the ball went but here was a child enjoying herself and it it was wonderful to see and it it opened my eyes for me about what you can do with coaching especially with people who are interested and who enjoy what they do like yourself Mm. i think that's yeah yeah, i think you've, you've touched on an interesting one there um one, a couple of the mottos around, you know, tennis, some of the kids maybe that, that don't enjoy other sports um, or the field sports, let's call them. Uh, now, I love my field sports 100%. And I think it's really important that people play the, the team sports and the field sports as well. But uh, sometimes kids can get lost in the, in the field sports, whereas on a tennis court, they feel like they have their own racket and pretty much their own ball in a coaching session. So uh, they can they can feel more success. And, uh, and also, yeah, breaking it down, you know, it's, for one child hitting a ball over a net is a success. For another child hitting ten balls over the net is a success. It's it's all relative, and I think it's quite important. I think it's quite noticeable, Karen, that you picked up on that, um, because I do sometimes have you know I think it's really important that that let's call them the weaker kids or the less less uh, less experienced kids. You know, sometimes if they the, the child isn't isn't flying along, let's say they're not absolutely progressing at hundred miles an hour. And sometimes the parents say, you know, am I wasting my time here? Should I go off and do something else? And for me, that's the completely, the, the approach should be the complete opposite. If your child isn't absolutely flying at their sports, get them in and keep them in it 
hopefully we're creating a, a happy, positive environment where they can enjoy that. And uh, and like you say, a kid who couldn't even hit a ball two weeks later, they can they, small small steps, small progress. And two weeks later, they're hitting the ball. Three weeks later, they're having a little rally. Four weeks later, they are playing mini matches. Um, and a good thing again in the tennis and I, all the sports really have this now. But you know we have we have different stages of balls. So we start with a red ball, which is a little bit larger, bounces twenty five percent as high as a an adult tennis ball. Then they move to the orange stage, which is fifty percent as high as the 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 adult ball. And then they have a green ball, which bounces seventy five percent. So there's a there's a pathway there. Um, and, and obviously, how could a, a, a two foot tall kid hit a yellow ball that's bouncing way up over the head? It's not possible. So, um, so yeah, really, really important and build confidence all the way along, whether that's swinging correctly, whether that or not even correctly swinging and contacting the ball. Maybe that's maybe that's success enough for some kids. Yeah, that's fascinating because I've seen I've seen these colored balls down below in the uh, in, in tennis court and and. I never, I never put much thought to it. I just took it that they were, they were coaching tennis balls. But there's obviously a scientific approach really to, to the to the colours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There really is. And uh, again, it, without those balls, I don't think I could do my job either. They, they're they're that important to us. So you know, an orange ball, it just travel. It doesn't travel slower, but it bounces after the bounce. It's slower, gives the kid more time, and then it allows the kid to achieve success. And if a child is feeling success, they're going to want to come back. If they're feeling failure, they're not going to want to come back. Yeah, so. and funny enough, you talk about it. I, I see you with bags of te- literally a hundred tennis balls in a in a basket, and it's a bit like hurling in football. When I was growing up, when we went out to the pitch, we 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 sort of wondered how we got a football going out to the pitch. Was there two or three slitters that we could play with? But now, if you look at coaching facilities in all sports, there could be a hundred slitters on the on, on, on a training field. There could be fifty slitters to a team going out to play a match. And literally, you walk into the tennis club. There's tennis balls lying all over the place. And all you can do is pick up a tennis ball, and if it's for you, it's for you. And if not, maybe talk to Brian Farrell and he can make it for yeah, you. Absolutely. And just just getting kids, it's it's about hours. It's about getting the you know the hour. Just just and we have a lovely practice wall there, you know. Um, and I've seen you using that. The adults don't probably use it enough, but um, yeah, just get a get a racket and a ball or a slitter and a hurl or whatever it is, get it into a child's hands. Get them playing the sport, and I, and they learn themselves. They 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 yeah yeah they learn themselves. And and key to it is uh, uh, all children in particular. If they find a coach that is not enjoying it, is only half interested, the coach will be found out very quickly. Yeah, I think I can't remember now. There's basically there's motivated things that are most important to kids when they take up a sport and. I can't remember if it's the top, maybe the peers. I think your peers are probably your number one motivator. So, you know, the boy or the girl in your class, if they're playing, do you want to play? And then I think second second on that list is the coach. So yeah. I don't, so, you know, we, we can't underestimate the role. I'm not trying to blow my own thing here, but you cannot underestimate the role of, of the coach. And, and it, it's not even necessarily technical knowledge. It's just the ability to make a child or an adult happy on that tennis court and enjoy success um, and code and, and yes, good coaching. Like I think we can see it probably in the, in the, the football now in the, sorry for me, football is soccer. So, uh, you know, that it does seem like 
the coaching in the in for the FAI for all its its faults in the last maybe 15, 20 years have they improved the coaching? Because there seems to be a lot of young players coming through at maybe not superstars, but at a lower level. And I suspect that is down to the coaching at grassroots in Ireland improving. Yeah, and if um, you look at the all-weather pitches and the, the, the lights as well, you're, you're playing true. the whole time. You're not trying to get into a, an indoor soccer soccer ground, for, play five aside, and that limits your participation as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, again, it just sounds to me like the coaching side and the, and the football has improved a lot. Um, and, and I suppose that just by that just reiterates the point, don't underestimate good coaching. Um, yes, we want to get kids playing and then good coaching, good guidance along the way. Yeah, just looking at some details from 2019, um, there was, well, according to a tennis, um, tennis survey, there was 30,000 players participating across the island in 2019. And that year, um, there were 182 affiliated clubs and 25 clubs who hadn't affiliated. But also that year, 180,000 people watched the AIG Irish Open, which it's, that's an ITF World Tour event, which was held in Carrick Mines. And interestingly enough, that year, an, an Irish, um, an, I'm not sure if she was actually from Ireland or whether she was living in Ireland, won, won the, uh, the senior. Um, what was her name? I can't remember. Just having a, somebody called Drummy. Oh yeah, Georgia Drummy. Georgia Drummy, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. She won that oh, she's party. Irish. Yeah, she's Irish. Yeah, she she is probably French over French in the states. Harry Brown, on, sorry. She's probably over in college in America. Okay. On a scholarship of some sort, but she's no, she's Irish. Yeah. Yeah, and she yeah. won that final. She beat a French girl, um, Alice Trobe, if I'm pronouncing it right, seven six six two. Yeah. So now there's there's good players in Ireland. I'm you know. It's not. It's not my area of expertise. I don't. I don't. I don't consider myself a performance coach. Maybe in in the future that will. I'll slowly move that 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 way. But um, there's good players in Ireland. There's no reason why an Irish tennis player can't. Yeah, well, there is, sorry, going, sorry. Go on. Yeah, I'm going to mention. I was going to mention that later, but I am going to say it to you. Like having these these facilities and these good players, there will come a time, I'm sure, when an Irish rugby player will win a, a, yeah. maybe not a Grand Slam event, but win a tour a tour event. Does we would certainly hope so. I think the facilities are. It's a, you you keep you've said a few times about the the all weather facilities. It's interesting. The all weather courts that we play on are not uh, conducive to goods producing tennis players okay so yeah yeah, yeah. so they're they suit our climate they suit club tennis they mean that me and you can go down and play on a, a, a court and that but um the ball bounces quite they're quite a fast surface so the ball bounces low yes so the rallies are the rallies are short so it doesn't teach a young player to really figure it out you know figure out how to construct a point figure out how to to win a point the long the hard way. You talk about it, but yet Carlos had, has produced um, well, I don't know has, Carlos, but it has produced Julian Bradley. A lot of local people wouldn't know about Julian Bradley, but he's played no. Davis Cup tennis for for Ireland. Now he was supposed to play in Cyprus during the year. Did was there a, I injured? I think he was injured. I was thinking that so he was initially selected and then didn't play. But yeah. he is um, he is he's played in America and he's you know him quite well, don't you? Yeah, I think he's a really good guy, I have to say. His brother was in with me this week and um, helping out on court. No, I think Julian is, uh, I think he's a, uh, firstly a really good guy, but I think he's just a brilliant story. Um, he only took up tennis, I think, around 11 or 12, which is late, really late. 
Um, but he's a very driven individual. He did he, his foundation was Carlo, but he um, he would have commuted up the, up up to Dublin uh, multiple times a week. Um, you know, did it the hard way. Even when he came home recently, uh, or well, let's call it two years ago, not even recently anymore. But um, you know, I was stringing rackets for him, and I met him at the bus stop at eight o'clock in the morning. He was already on or half seven. He was already on his way. So. Um, yeah, you know, really, really driven, driven individual and a great role model for other players. And and we have other players in Carlo. You know, there's a young kid, Yosef Chiladis, who's over in the States. He's in fourth year. He's in he, he was in Knockbeg College. Um, he's over in the States now, and I think it's McAlpine or Mac, can't remember the name of okay, it. Okay, yeah. Um, and he's play, basically they have indoor courts. They are a tennis school. So he's over there. He just won his first USTA title at the weekends. Um, we have Sean Keane, another young lad, well, older, between Julian and Joseph. He is 21, 22. He's over in the States as well. He's in South Carolina. So, you know, there's there's, there's talent there. And there's, there, well, of course, the ta- there's talent there. But there's, it's doable. Hard work, though, is the main thing, if you want to get to that level. It's amazing when you talk about, you know, the, the style of the courts that's suitable for, for for fully developing a player's game, but that these players can still come through. So I, I, I would have to say that it, it might it might be some time or it could be next year where, where we do have a player who can win a ranking event. It could happen in Ireland. It could. It could. Yeah. Um, there is, there's a guy, Amar Al-Elamin, he's, he's probably, he's about 19, 20, he's given, there's lots of guys giving it a go, lots and lots of okay. girls okay. and guys giving it a go. Maybe it might be a little bit easier on the girls' side, um, but it's just such a, it's, a, it's an unbelievably competitive sport. Okay. Um, okay. And, and it takes, yeah, it takes a lot of investment too, you know, if you, Ireland's located here, we, we only, what, we had the one tournament in Carrick Mines, um, you know, if you're, if you're a British player, you might get a wild card into Wimbledon. You know, you might get a couple of ranking points out of that. That gets you into the next tournament. You know, if you're an Irish player, you're not getting those opportunities. If you want to play, if you, I always, I always think about this. You know, if you live in Munich, you know, you can travel to multiple events. You can get to events in Germany. You can get to events in Austria, Holland, France, yeah. relatively easily. Italy, Northern Italy is not too far away. Whereas if you're in Ireland, you're getting on a Ryanair flight every single time you want to play a tournament. Yeah, and yeah. that adds cost and makes it harder, and then you're not getting the same opportunities. So, so it's not easy. Yeah, I suppose then look, um, that that's the, the the higher end of the game. But looking yes. at what we have here in Carlo, uh, we've so many facilities just to get people out and to get people playing. I played the other night. There was three fellas and one girl. The next night it could be three girls and one fella. Tennis lends itself to that sort of participation. And if you look at the um, the WhatsApp groups, there could be 90 to 100 people on the WhatsApp, WhatsApp group and they're inviting each other to play. And there's a, a, a huge amount of proactive involvement. You get involved yourself. You um, The officers of the club are all involved. And look, at any day of the week, there'll be four out of the eight courts booked. Yeah. Yeah, Up and I think I think that's going to and that's the strength of the game at the moment in tennis. Yeah, I think I think we're going to move to um, if we have this chat now in another three months, you know, and the weather improves, I think it's going to be eight, every weeknight. Those eight courts are going to should be busy and will be busy from uh, from seven o'clock till hopefully half nine, ten o'clock at night. So um, that's you know that's eight eight courts by thirty two people. 
probably two bad. That's you know sixty two batches of matches maybe in a night, yes, half seven yes. and a half or seven and a half. Eight. That's sixty four people playing tennis, sixty four adults playing tennis, um, every midnight, every week night of the week, a week night, yeah, every week. I know what you mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and you know we we hopefully have have some new courts going down, which will will improve the facility as well. Wow. And um, and at your initial point was you know mixed genders being able to play together. I'm going to add in mixed ages being able to play in that as I well. I was you know? coming to that. Huge, I was. Huge. If you look at the president of the club this year, Colin Kelly, I played yeah. him and his my, my daughter himself played his daughter himself in in whatever it was a group. It, it could have been a ranked sixth tournament in yeah. the club. It, it wasn't certainly the highest. It wasn't the lead. It wasn't the best players. But Colin is something like 70 years of age and he literally controlled that game from start to finish. They beat 6-1, 6-1 and we played well. But Colin, and there are scores of people like that in the club who, who, who know how to get around the tennis court no matter how old they are. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's like, um, you know, again, to use the football, it's like a centre-half who's lost his pace but still knows where to be. Yeah, yeah. I think, and, and it's great. Like my dad is seventy three. I still play with him. Um, I know, you know the I know the over the over sixty fives, over seventies, over seventy fives, over eighties, over eighty fives is actually quite a vibrant scene in tennis. Okay. Um, that's nationally, but but yes, within Carlo, any age group can play with uh, with with any other age group. So you know, a, a seventy year old or a sixty five year old can equally play with a twenty two year old. Um, and it's you cannot say that about many sports. Um, and there's also, you know, families can play together. You know, a dad and a mum, or sorry, a dad and let's say a dad and a daughter can take on a mum and a son. Been you know, there, done that. You've been there, done that. And how how satisfying was it? You probably ended in an argument, but you no, know, we did. We had it fantastic. We have a every time we play, we really enjoy it, and we really appreciate each other's company. I know how lucky we are to be able to play this game. We can't play yeah. football together. We can't play rugby, but we can play tennis. Absolutely, and I just think that's invaluable. So, for all our chat has been about, largely has been you know performance side of it. Actually, what's important is grassroots. Families being able to play with each other. Uh, you know, why do you play tennis? You, you play tennis to get exercise and make friends. Well, I think that's why you play. In my absolutely, that's why you play. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, at the end of the day, it's about friendship. Yeah. Yes. And then enjoying enjoying the way of getting there. Yeah. Yeah. And Brian, let's go back to your father. Your father's played representative of tennis. For yeah, he's played. He's he's well. He plays for Connacht every year. Um, in the enterprise, he's originally from Leitrim. I don't I have to think now. I don't think he has his Irish cap. Okay. Yes, but he certainly hasn't given up on on that. He's probably the he's probably the third best uh, over seventy in the country. Um, maybe maybe I played with him recently. Actually, I thought I played. I I had haven't played much, but I with him or or others really. Um, I thought he'd gone off his game a little bit. And I played him about four or five weeks ago before Christmas, and I was quite impressed. His game is good, so I, I think. He, I think he could be maybe the, the second best or the best. Yeah. <laughs> and Brian, what's been what has satisfied you most out of the game of tennis? Sorry, do you know what we didn't talk about? We didn't talk yeah. about your coaching career in Australia and America. Can you, yeah, 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 can you just yeah. give us a, 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 a colour of what that, yeah, what that yeah. meant to you? So, so my coaching, I, I, I played, I actually played table tennis as a teen, as a young kid, and I was good at that. Um, now it's a very small pool in Ireland, but 
But so I was always a member of the tennis club, but I actually played table tennis. I didn't really do coaching. You know, I wasn't in coaching classes at tennis as a kid, just played a little bit with my family and stuff like that. Um, so then at 16, at 15, 16, I got back into tennis. The groundsman in the tennis club in Clontarf got me back down playing, obviously. Yeah. Just, just he put himself out there and made the effort to get me back playing and look what it look what's what's come of it. So I think there's a little example of, you know, making a little bit of effort for somebody. You never know what can come of that. Yes. Um, yeah, I got back playing at 16, got coaching as a part-time job at 16 in the Parks program in Dublin. Then I worked throughout kind of finishing off school into college. Then I went over to America on one of my college years. I think it was second year. Got a job in Boston. Just did three months in Boston, but really enjoyed it. Um Again, just saw that my experience in Ireland was held up more than held up over there. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I did. I did do well. I could have stayed on. I could have worked more if I wanted. They were very happy with me. Um, came home, kept working away in the background around college. Went to, a, went to Australia a couple of years after college. Worked full time in Australia. Um, worked in a place called Harvey Bay. Then I went down to Sydney and then I went up to Byron Bay. And I was actually, I, I, I was the one who started working for someone else. But I re relaunched Byron Bay Tennis. Um, so I know we all know Byron Bay from whatever yes. television and everyone knows about a great place. Um, but yeah, so I, I relaunched the Byron Bay Tennis uh, Centre and it's it's booming now. And even within three or four months, we had gone from like zero players playing. There was a club there, but there wasn't a, a coaching or a centre there. Uh, we, we, had it, we had it flying within months. So I kind of took the model, part of the model that I learned there part of the model that I'd learned in Clontarf and just brought it to Carlo and, yeah. you know, why try and reinvent the wheel when you, you know, you have a successful program, yeah, copy it's it. It's absolutely copy working. It. Like I, I see it from about two o'clock onwards every day. You've got a yeah, yeah. a huge number. How many kids would you have during the week? 300 kids. There's, 300 kids. So 300 yeah. kids turn up for a lesson every single week. Yeah. 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 And I've, and I've seen you, um, I've seen you maybe going at nine o'clock at night with some of the older yeah. ones that the more developed, uh, we're yeah. holding, we call them the elite players in the club. Yeah, we, we call them the, the, the performance. I call them the performance squad. So yeah. all of those players would be all, would be playing multiple times. So NACE has become a little bit of a pathway yeah. for Carlo yeah. kids. Um, so there's a guy called Mark Finnegan in NACE who has, and he calls it the next generation squad. So, so he was over in America um, working in the University of, I can't remember which university okay. it was. Okay. one of the big universities. The yeah, yeah, in America. And he was the he was the head coach there. So he came, he's an Irish guy. He came home and now he's coaching Nace, but his primary business, and it is a business, to bring Irish kids to the States. For he he talks a lot, and I'm very in favor of what he's doing. You know, he builds the he builds the all-around athlete. So he builds, he tries to build an independent teenager, you know, who who prepares their own bag for tennis, you know, timetables their own, their homework time, their study time, their training time, you know, not a parent-driven player, you know, who only plays because their mum drives them there. You know, it's it's player-driven, driven. There's this growth mentality. I think it's very good. So he's he's preparing Irish players for what American universities want. Okay. And they want they want a well-rounded human being. They don't just want a tennis player. Okay. Um, so yeah, so NACE has become a little pathway for Carlo players because we're a little bit outside of the, what well, we are outside of the Dublin circuit. So there isn't quite as much competitive opportunities for those really good players in Carlo. 
So I feed them to NACE, they do some extra training in NACE, and then they have access to the to the Dublin competitive tennis okay. uh, scene. Okay. scene yeah. okay. So that's, okay. that's how we're working. Um, uh, your biggest achievement in tennis, Brian, is anything? I won Leinster Coach of the Year there two years ago. Or Congratulations. Years ago. Congratulations. Yeah, okay. You're, I, suppose, you're... I suppose that's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I am. I, I, I think I'm. I hope I don't come across in the wrong way. I'm. I know I'm doing a pretty good job with the, particularly with the junior side of of the tennis club. We're doing a good job, so I'm. I'm quite proud of that. Yeah. And listen, um, you, you fascinate me. You told me some time ago you're not that really interested in the world, watching what happens at Wimbledon or or what's yeah. happening. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm sure you have a passing interest in some way, but you, it's just. Oh, I do. No, I, geez, I said. Yesterday I watched um, Medvedev and uh, Felix Auger Ali Sim, and I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, um, and it was the first time I properly seen him and and his forehand. Not not Medvedev, Auger yeah. uh, Ali Sim. His forehand is superb. Okay. Um, now if I had more time, yeah. I would. Um, but I, I was thinking about this. I was chatting to to one of the actually the captain in in the tennis club last night by text as I was watching the highlights, and I was thinking it's a bit like golf. You need to properly what you need to have an hour yeah excuse me to sit down and actually get into the match you can't just watch you know two or three points and think oh i, I saw what went on there because it's a tennis the scoring system being so unusual is about and so unique and it's, i think it's a brilliant scoring system um it's about playing the big points well and it's about how you perform it's, every player can hit a big four and every player can hit a big back and big so can you do it when it matters yeah. Um, and that match yesterday, I know they both won the exact same number of points throughout the four hours, 45 minutes. Yeah. But Medvedev won the match because he was able to play, obviously able to play the very, very big points better. And so that's what I say. You need to really get in and watch it. And I, I suppose I just don't have the time at the moment to, to be doing that. Dare I mention the name when you mentioned Australia, Novak Djokovic? Did mm. you have had any strong viewpoints on that? I did, but uh, I did, of course. Yeah, I think, I think he he should have gotten vaccinated if he wanted. Sorry, if he wanted to play in Australia, if the rules in Australia say that, then he should yeah. should have gotten vaccinated. If if he didn't want to play in Australia, then and he didn't want to get vaccinated, then I guess that's his business. Yeah, and he yeah, simply that he went so far over, and then how was told he couldn't play. Mm. Yeah, except some must be something there. You know, break down of communication somewhere. I, I can't see where, but look, there was obviously yeah, something. He probably, he probably did get a little bit. Yeah. Once it went, once it got to a point, he was there was probably no way they were going to back down, even if they had made an error. But yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, Brian, this we're nearly there now. And what I'm doing with the podcast is I'm I'm throwing questions at people that are outside their, let's say we would call it expertise or what, what we were going to talk about. So do you mind if I throw a couple of, they're not controversial questions, simple stuff really. Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Your favorite holiday, or is there something you would really like to do and intend doing, you know, a bucket list situation, Mm -hmm. for example, is there anything that you, or even your, what would you like to do? Yeah, it's funny. I'm uh... I, this is yeah. I, I actually don't have. I, I've done a bit of travelling. I probably need to. I think I'd like to get to New Zealand, and I think I'd like to travel Australia again when I was there. I didn't really yeah. Yeah. work. I didn't really do it properly. But I'm kind of um. I enjoy I, I, an act for me. It's an activity holiday. So I enjoy. I enjoy a ski holiday now. Yeah. Uh, I have a tennis trip I do with the lads at home 
once a year. We play tennis for three hours every day. We play, we go for four days. We play tennis for three hours every that's day. That's up in Clontarf, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a Clontarf gang. We yeah. go to Portugal, though. We go to Portugal, and uh, yeah, we, you know, I, I really enjoy that. Um, so I think I'd be more of a man for saying I'd love to get away five times a year for a couple of days rather than I'd love to disappear for six months and yeah travel the world yeah. that probably wouldn't be me yeah. um but but I wouldn't be against it either um so yeah no I I yeah 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 I, I, of course I will travel but I guess it, at this stage in my life it's it doesn't seem to be I've kind of done a little bit of it Ellie my daughter is young as she's probably appeared yes. in the back yep. once or twice there it'll probably come on the scene again maybe 10 15 years but I do oh geez I love I love yeah. uh, I love watching travel stuff and things like that I'd be very curious about the world and I, I do like my geography or I try to think I like my geography but um okay but yeah no no immediate plans yeah I listen you're you're the guinea pig on this first podcast show and I have another question for you and it's completely off the wall but it, it is a topical subject around the world at the moment global warming is there mm. anything the likes of you and me can do to contribute to a lessening the dangers of global warming is there is it, think, is it a pet hate of yours or is it something you think about it's definitely something i do think about particularly since i've had a daughter but I, and i'm far from good at this but i do think i do think all small actions will will make a difference and mm-hmm. um, you know i certainly think my next car will be an electric car i think mm-hmm. even in terms of recycling and things like that we need to be, to be better in our in tennis i tell you what in tennis we need to find a way of recycling our tennis balls um, a proper way of recycling our tennis balls but um yeah i don't i don't buy the argument sometimes people say oh you know if china's doing this or what's the point in us doing what we're doing but i don't think that's the right approach i think you gotta we are who we are you gotta do it on an individual level and then hope that the the, the government the, the the higher powers um and in ireland i think we're fairly you know we're a small country we're fairly connected to our our, you know, if we want if I wanted to get into politics, I could do it pretty easily. Maybe in, okay. in other countries, I don't know if it would be as easy. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it wouldn't be that easy. But, um, you know, I think if we do our small actions here, it it might make a difference, or at least we can try and make a difference. Yeah. Okay. So. Brian Far Carlo, tennis club coach. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you very much. And so ends our first across the four legs podcast. My thanks once again to Brian Farrell, the Carlo Lawn Tennis Club coach, and to you listeners for listening in.